0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, David Garfinkel, the world's greatest copywriting coach. David, how are you doing today?
1: Nathan, I'm great. How are you?
0: I am doing fantastic. Always good to be back on the microphone with you and back with the listeners as well. What are we going to be talking about today?
1: Well, today we're going to talk about that four-letter word, hype, H-Y-P-E. We're going to talk about how to avoid hype in your copy.
0: Now, is is this something that is one of those newbie mistakes, or is this something that plagues even longtime
1: copywriters? I think it plagues longtime copywriters too. newbies, probably more so. But um well, let me let me just jump into it and we can explore that a lot because uh to me it's a plague. It 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 gives us a bad name and it gives people bad results or incredible results with uh really bad shockwaves afterwards in terms of, you know, refunds and and people Bad mouthing them and maybe even regulatory actions taken against them.
0: It's one of those things that gives salesmanship as a whole kind of a bad name.
1: I agree. I agree. Well, let me let me tell you where this all starts because, um, and it starts with me. Uh, in, at least the point of view I'm going to talk about today. Just a few years after I started writing copy, I had a few years of success under my belt, and I started to notice as people were approaching me to be their clients, that there were two types. The first kind was a client who was way better at what they did than their marketing indicated. That's the first type. The second type, the second kind of client had really exciting marketing. They made big, big promises, but the level of quality of what they delivered Didn't even come close to measuring up. You got that first kind, what they delivered was better than their marketing. Second time, the marketing promised a hell of a lot more than they delivered. So once I realized this, I made a decision. And it was hard because I had to turn away a lot of lucrative assignments. But I made this decision. I would only work with the first kind of client. I knew I could help them because once their marketing caught up to the quality of what they were offering, they would make a lot more money. But I was also determined to stay away from the second type of prospect. I wasn't in the business of improving quality of what they deliver to their prospects. I was just in the business of improving marketing. So the best I could do with them if I was successful would be to increase the level of fraud in their marketing. No thanks. And that brings us to what we're going to talk about today, hype. It was hype in the marketing of the clients I didn't want to work with that pushed me away from them to begin with. But hype remains an ever-present mystery, and some would say a big problem, too, for a lot of copywriters and marketers in a lot of situations. So in this episode, I'll explain why and what you can do about it. But first, copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time.
0: So, before we jump into it, can I ask a question real quick? Of course. Um, I often hear people say uh, always under promise and over deliver and obviously there's a there's a big problem with over delivering but do you think it is a good idea to under promise it seems kind of like you might be getting at that under promising might might be just as harmful
1: no I, I i never think that's a real problem unless the over delivery is going to cause some kind of problem that you should have disclosed in advance but I think that one of the reasons people hesitate to under-promise is they can't make their under-promises strong enough, and we're going to talk about how to do that, because there's a perfectly good reason why people hype stuff up, both in terms of over-promising and also in terms of just using a lot of big, flashy, impressive words that and turn a lot of people off, and and we'll get into that. But under promising and over delivering is generally a good idea as long as over delivering isn't going to cause a problem for your client because they really should have known about it in the first place. Okay. Okay. Cool. Thanks for that clarification. Sure, it's a great question. So um, let's let's start with a definition of terms. What is hype? And what is mistaken for hype but is not actually hype, and what's simply not hype at all. So hype is when you make a big promise or a big claim and you can't back it up. That's the simplest, clearest, closest to the ground explanation I can give you. Um, not hype, but it looks like it. it is a big claim that is true, but you haven't proven it. You haven't given enough substantiation enough solid backup to make it actually believable and simply not hype at all is usually dry sterile facts it would be like if you wrote in the same style that consumer reports writes. you know it may be true and you can you can wave the white flag of high morality but it ain't going to get you any sales right and 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 let me explain why there is so much of a problem with hype. You need a big claim and you need to create excitement in your prospect in order to sell. And you can either do this in a positive direction, creating expectancy and excitement and stoking desire. Or you can do this in a negative direction by arousing pain, by pointing out negative things, problems people have that could get worse if they don't do something about it. So the easy way out is just to make a bunch of crap up and um, throw it up there without giving a lot of thought as to whether it's true or whether you can prove it, or even if it's true and you can prove it, if people will believe it. And, And that's, I think, where hype comes from. There's another place that it comes from, too. Uh, I like to talk about my friend John Carlton, who says he's the most ripped-off person on the internet, and it may be so. And a lot of people mistake what he does for hype. It's not. Uh, John writes very provocative, exciting copy, but if you analyze it closely, you'll find that Every word counts, that he he trims it down to the most basic thing. And anything he says, he's going to back up with facts, with proof. Um, so when people copy Carlton, they're not looking deeply enough at what he's really doing most of the time. And their copy ends up being outrageous, really inexcusable hype. John is not that way at all but to the casual observer he might look that way now he's not the only one of course but he's the example most people are familiar with i mean the only one who's writing in a very exciting aggressive style with a a, a lot of um blatant high powered emotional words but he does it really well and and he does it without actually being hypey by my definition so
0: it seems like there's a thin line between Getting people excited and then pushing them over to the point where they just don't believe you anymore
1: yeah, there there is a thin line that's exactly right and and i I think I've found a way around it, and I'm not sure everybody's going to like it because it's going to involve a little extra work and a little more imagination, but there is a way around it and if if this matters to you and it should. Then you'll want to hear what we're going to talk about.
0: And can I can I kind of roll back just a little bit? You you mentioned the three classes: hype, not hype, but it looks like hype, and then simply not hype. And in simply not hype, you said it's usually dry, sterile, sterile facts, kind of like a consumer's report. Um, They're true, but they don't sell. I see a lot of this in a lot of times in like white papers, where they hire a really good copywriter to write them, but the copy still comes off very boring. Um, what what is your opinion on on uh, on things that are supposed to appear dry but being able to still add that uh, excitement to them?
1: Well, that's a great question and um, a really astute observation. White papers are a specialty in and of themselves because they are supposed to be. Fairly factual and without sales. And white papers require a special skill in and of itself. And that skill is creating persuasion with facts alone, Uh, creating persuasion without any emotional copy. It requires a level of argumentation that you might find in the best lawyers, for example. I mean, like the kind of people who argue in front of the Supreme Court, you know. to do it well, to write a white paper that is technically informative and accurate and does not sell very well, well, that requires less skill, but of course you get less results. Uh, however, you don't want to bring the you know wham, bam, uh, Sunday punch kind of copywriting style into white papers because people reading them tend to be very analytical and extremely intelligent, and they won't be fooled for a minute.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those high-level art forms that um, it, it's kind of like walking on a minefield because I've seen it done where it's done very well, but the whole way, there's it, it's just take one wrong step and you can lose everything that you've built.
1: Yeah, it, it takes a lot of thinking and a lot of work and a lot of refining to write a good white paper, but it, it is a different art form in a way.
0: Okay so sorry to divert but let's get back on track
1: why do uh why do people have the uh, the hype problem well it it's because they know they need to get people excited and they haven't developed enough information and creative ideas to get people excited and still give them solid information and solid backup that's going to justify the excitement that the copywriters created. The the best way to explain this, Nathan, would be to give examples of something that is not going to be hypey or offensive, but it's also not going to be effective. And then let's look at something that's really over the top. And then I'll show you how to take the same offer and make it, pretty exciting while still making it credible and um, interesting and not hypey. Awesome. Let's get into it. I want to take a moment to point out how vitally important headlines are in copy. As you may already know, the strength of your headline accounts for up to 80 or even 90% of the effectiveness of your ad. Think about that what if there were a way to shortcut the headline writing process and start a new headline based on a proven winner well there is it's all in my book called advertising headlines that make you rich this book is available now on amazon.com advertising headlines that make you rich what's unique about this book is it shows you exactly how to adapt a proven winner to your product or service Because I show you 10 adaptations for each headline in different niches and explain the psychology of how to adapt a headline, advertising headlines that make you rich in hard copy and Kindle formats on Amazon. Now back to our show. Okay. So let's start with problem number one. Sometimes you get a little timid when you're a copywriter and your copy is too mild and yeah, you're safe. No one's ever going to accuse you of being hypey. The problem is mild copy almost never sells unless the person looking at the copy already wanted exactly what you're selling and they just needed to find out a little more about it, which is not what you want to count on. You, Your job is to present them with something that fulfills an existing need, but that might be new that they've never heard about before. Maybe I should say fulfills an existing desire. Um, so mild copy almost never sells. You need to be a little more aggressive and confident than what you see in mild copy in order to get people to con in order to get people convinced to buy from you. Um, let's take a, An imaginary product, which isn't all that imaginary because there are lots of products like these, but I'm not going to talk about a specific one. So it's some kind of skill training that helps people make more money. So it's a money making skill training product. And here's a headline that's too mild. You'll probably make a little extra money when you learn these skills. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I mean, that's probably true. It's definitely true that you'll probably will make a little. But and so you're off the hook for over promising right there. But this is this is a case of your under promising and maybe maybe not over delivering. That's not going to work so well because you won't get enough interest or sales with such a tentative attitude. Can you hear the lack of confidence and the, the walking on eggshells of the copywriter with this headline? You'll probably make a little extra money when you learn these skills.
0: Yeah. It doesn't get you excited at all. And not just in headlines. I see a lot of copy actually take a turn towards this direction towards the end when they go to make the actual offer.
1: Oh yeah. That that's, that's another problem entirely, but it's related. Um, uh, copywriters sort of scared to confidently ask for the order uh, that's not good. You you got to have confidence in what you're doing. You, you've got to find a way to believe in it.
0: It's kind of like selling from the heel. It's like, uh, you're at, you're, you're trying to deliver the punch, but you're also stepping back and, 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 uh, selling from the heel.
1: Yeah. It's sort of hard to put a lot of momentum in two directions at the same time. Right. Especially <laughs> if they're opposite directions. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the opposite problem when copy is too over the top. And I would say that this is hype in its most toxic form. Uh, The problem with copy that's too over the top is that people won't believe it. Or even worse, if they do believe it, they'll get disappointed and they'll look for a refund. Or maybe they'll even seek revenge. Maybe they'll start trashing you on social media. And with copy that's really over the top, there could be the problem with regulators if they see it. So this is not a very good idea. But people do this, and people get in trouble for it. Uh, Let me give you an example. So here's the same training we're looking at. It's for a money-making skill. And here's a headline that's too over the top. Make an extra million dollars a month in your spare time. Well, anyone who's motivated by money is going to be interested in that. It's appealing, but it's not believable. And it's almost certainly not true unless you're starting out with billions in the bank to begin with and making a million is not a big deal, right? Um, So you're going to run into all kinds of problems with with a headline like make an extra million dollars a month in your spare time, especially if you start to reinforce and develop that promise in your copy. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is something I see all the time. Also, you mentioned social media. I see people that are trying to get people into their, uh, their MLMs or they're trying to get people into their network marketings or, uh, some of their, uh, some of them just blatantly look like pyramid schemes, um, like Ponzi schemes. But, uh, I see it all the time where they make these giant promises, and it's it's like, um, do you want to make up to three hundred dollars an hour in your spare time for not doing anything at all? PM me in the or say yes in the comments. And a lot of times, like they make these giant, just preposterous claims, and they're it's like the bridge too far. It's like there's no way that that could. I, could even possibly be true and uh and then you look at the response and it's if they're getting any response it's from people that are just begging to get ripped off Um, but anybody with any kind of like intelligence or anybody that's been in the game for a little while immediately just scrolls past that type of a headline or that type of promise um so it it really like you said, it, it attracts the wrong type of people. It attracts people that are going to do nothing but complain. It attracts nothing but problems. But for some reason, uh, people keep putting them out there. I see certain people in my own Facebook timeline that keep making these same over-the-top promises. And I, I can't understand why they keep doing it because it seems like, uh, seems like they're, they're just inviting nothing but problems into their life.
1: Well, I think I know why, and um, the the answer is they don't know how to come up with a really appealing big promise that works, that's true, that's not hype, and that's what we're going to talk about in the next part of this episode, okay? Awesome. Yeah, so um, I've been giving some very extreme, blatant examples to make this point, but the Just like what you were talking about just now, the the real problems with hype follow the same pattern. And this solution I'm about to lay out works just as well with everyday hype situations as it does with the imaginary money-making skill program we're going to talk about. The principles and the steps are the same. Um, And like I said, you have to do some work. There's two parts of this. One is deeper research, and the other part is extended creativity. Now, I'll define what those are as we go. Let's say you have a program like this. It's not a brand-new program. You've been doing it for a while, and now you're really getting ready to roll it out to the masses, okay? So this is a money-making program, and you've had several hundred students, and you know who's doing well. So you get on the phone with your 20 best students because you've been tracking everybody's progress and you ask them a bunch of questions and you sort out what their answers are and you find out that 12 of these 20 people have actually done what you said really put their nose to the grindstone and they've doubled their income in a few months and Six of them say that they would be willing to give you a testimonial or a case study. Okay, so that's the deep research. You're not talking to one person. You're not talking to two persons. You're going through your whole list of students to find the 20 best ones, and you track each one of them down on the phone. You talk to them, and you ask them a lot of questions. Maybe you record it, and you transcribe it, and then you end up finding that six of them say they would give you a testimonial case study. Now, the extended creativity part is brainstorming how you can take that information and put it into your headline and your hook. And the thing you don't want to do is just jump on the first idea you have. So you might end up brainstorming two or three or 10 ideas. You might notice that a lot of the people who say that they've doubled their income have improved their sex lives. Hmm. You you might find out that as their income improves, their energy level improves. So not only are they working faster and smarter, but they're enjoying the part of their life where they're not working more because they have more energy. And so you go through all of these different things and you think what's going to be my hook am i going to say enjoy all of your life more now with our special money making skills program have a better time in bed because of what you do during the day and and you brainstorm all this stuff and finally open palm on the forehead you realize oh actually my answer was right there in the first place it had to do with doubling income. Now, are you going to say you'll double your income in six months? Guaranteed. No way. Because now you're falling back into the trap of hype because not everybody did. You know, maybe you had 100 students and of the top 20, 12 of them did. So maybe you only have 10 or 12% who did. You'd be, a fool to promise anybody that they absolutely will do that. But what you could do is something like this. Many of our students have doubled their income in less than six months. Here's how you can do the same. Now, that's believable. Yeah?
0: Yeah. So, so see, that's that's the perfect example because, like you said, you wouldn't say you can double or you will double your income in less than six months But I do see a lot of people making that exact claim and exactly what you said in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking this can't work for everybody. There's got to be some sort of catch. There's got to be something that they're not revealing. But when you say many of our students have doubled their income in less than six months, here's how you can do the same. That lets me know, well, it didn't work for everybody. So um, obviously it's going to take a little, it's more than just an empty promise. And it also gives me hope because it says, you know, it did work for many of their students and they're going to show me how I can do the same. So it's getting across the same point, but the way that you did it the second time is so much more believable. And even though it's not as hypey, it, it actually gets me more excited because there's not that giant seed of doubt planted in my mind.
1: Yes, thank you. And I want to point out, you could say that I just pulled this out of thin air But the reality is the way these kind of strong promises that are not hype come about, the way that happens is exactly the way I described. You need to do a lot of research, and then once you have the research, you'll come up with a great idea which might not be the one you're going to use. You have to keep brainstorming. Like I was giving a couple of examples about sex and energy. You might brainstorm a lot of things. That's how the big winners get built. It's it's through this process of trying this with that, putting this piece together this way, putting this piece on the top, on the bottom, combining it into one thing, all kinds of different combinations until you get the one that's just right. And, and you see how it's not high, but it could still be very appealing to someone who's looking to increase their income. And furthermore, if somebody gets in this program, they do everything and they only increase their income by 50%. Do you think they're going to blame the program?
0: No, not at all.
1: But if, If, if the headline or the offer said you will absolutely double your income and they increase their income only by 50%, how do you think they're going to feel now? Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. They're going to feel like they were lied to and they feel like they were burnt. And the thing is, I think also, uh, it's kind of like separating the wheat from the, from the chaff, the, the two different styles of writing the headline the one is going to attract people that are actually smart the 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 uh many of our students have doubled their income in less than 6 months here's how you can do the same that's going to be attractive to people who who are actually um thinking they're not just the people that are emotionally manipulated they're not the people that make super rash decisions the other one you can or you will double your income in less than 6 months that one's going to attract a different type of people. And those type of people are more than likely not going to be nearly as qualified as the people that are going to be attracted to the more realistic, more realistic
1: claim. So what you're saying is impulsive idiots don't always make the best customers. They make great suckers, but they make horrible customers. Exactly. I mean, I agree with you. I I think it's an, it's an excellent point. And, and there's a sort of a corollary to what you're saying Nathan which is that the way you phrase your headline is going to determine the quality of people you attract the kind of people you attract so yeah really great great observation
0: all right so let's continue
1: well the thing is when you when you have a headline like many of our students have doubled their income in less than 6 months here's how you can do the same That works. It's bold. It's on the edge. But it's not hype. It's true. And you can prove it more than that. You're not saying the prospect will do it. You're saying that they can. And then you can lay out the things that the people who have doubled their income are willing to share that they've done. Of course, not everyone's going to do that. But as long as most people can, then you've got a decent headline. And like you say, you're going to be much closer to attracting the right people. So here, here's the bottom line in height. If you take your promise to the maximum, not of what you can imagine or what's going to bring in the most people, the most dollars, but if you take your promise to the maximum of what's possible, what's possible, and then you let your prospect know that it's possible, but not everyone will do this yet if they follow instructions do the work use the method correctly use the product correctly and so on it's possible for the prospect to do that well then you have solved the hype problem that's that's how you do it
0: nice i think that uh i think that this is like we started off by saying i think that this is something that especially when you're first getting into it it's really hard to find that find where you draw that line and so many times people either completely overstep it or don't even come close to reaching it and that explanation pro- take your promise to the maximum of what's possible that's where you draw the line at
1: yeah absolutely and you know the skilled marketers do that my my clients uh, you know Agora Financial who has a lot of um investment promotions for information about investments, they're always very careful to do that. Um, and a lot of my smaller entrepreneurial clients do that. Or when they start to step over the line, I gently nudge them back because I don't want them to get in trouble and be unhappy with their customers.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, David, thank you so much. That That's even for me as somebody who I don't really struggle with it but that last little takeaway, take them, to the, take them to the maximum of what's possible and don't go any further than that, that just added a whole new sense of clarity for me. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having the conversation with me. This has been something on my mind for a long time, and it's, it's really great to be able to spin it out and, and share it with our listeners. Awesome.
0: Well, I'm sure that the listeners out there appreciate it as much as I did. And what do we have when
1: we come back next week? we're going to be talking about increasing copywriter confidence.
0: Mm, So kind of the kind of the opposite of the problem we were addressing today. Mm, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, copywriters, this has been another episode of the copywriters podcast with the world's greatest proving it over and over again, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much listeners. We will check you next time.
1: Thanks, Nathan. See you all later. Bye. Before we go, a quick question Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast.